you came on a great Sunday because we're doing something a little bit different today. And we're going to hear from five different people in our community. And so I want to encourage them to come up. You guys come and join me here and find a spot. As they're coming up, would you please just give them a quick hand and encourage them? Now, now this is really, this is really fun. We call this 5 by 7 And we call it 5 by 7 because these five people are going to have the opportunity to share with you for seven minutes. In seven minutes, we're gonna have, we'll actually have a countdown up there, and so you can watch along with us, and it makes it a little exciting and fun and stresses them out. And, <laughs> and, um, and well, this is the reason why we're doing this, because I, I'm pretty sure you already know this, but everybody, I'm not the church. <laughs> I'm, just the, I'm just the pastor of the church. I just have a role within the church. And Pastor Ross isn't the church. He has a role within the church. That's our lead pastor, in case you don't know him. But, um, but we, we, you, me, all of us, we are the church. It's not this building. It's not the building up in Monterey Oaks, the commercial office space. It's not even the real church building up in Lake Travis. We are the church. And so, so some of you understood what I was saying there. Um, so, so these people are the church, and they're part of our church. And Jesus is doing something phenomenal in each one of their lives. And so I think it's really important that from time to time we pause, we kind of stop what we're doing, and I stop yelling at you for a week or so. And then, and we hear from people in our community about what he's doing. So today, they're going to talk to you about kind of our mission statement, who we are. And what we say is, we help people move. We help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Because we think people get stuck, people get static, people get kind of clogged and they can't move on. And so what we want to do as One Chapel is we want to help people move forward and become all that Jesus wants them to be. And I think you're really going to hear that. So every one of them is going to tell you a portion of their story where God has helped them to move from where they were to where they are now. And of course, ain't nobody perfect. We all got some stuff we got to figure out. We're all on the journey, and we all just keep moving, me included. And so I hope you'll be encouraged by all of that today. Now listen, there's a couple things about this. For some of them, this is the worst thing they've ever done in all of their life. <laughs> like, like uh, you probably know that, that the, the number one fear that people have in America, the, the number one fear, what is it? It's public speaking, right? What's, what's right under that? Dying. So, so number one is public speaking. Number two is death. So you would rather be the subject of the funeral than be the one speaking at the funeral, right? So, so if that gives you an indicator of just how some of them are feeling today. And I think that's just fine. We all know they're not professional. We all know they don't do this for a living. We just want to hear what Jesus is doing in their lives. And so we want to, yeah, exactly. We want to cheer them on. We want to root for them. We want to say you're the best. You want to smile at them occasionally. Don't give them the face you give me most of the time. Give them, give them like a happy face and, and, and kind of cheer them on. And when they're, you know, just kind of, right? Give that to them. When they tell a joke, go ahead and laugh. It's cool. Like, if it's not funny, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, just, just give it to them. You know, it's a freebie. Let them, if, it, if, if they're crying, just say, oh, we love you. It's so, it's so good. It's so okay. It's all right. We all got together on Friday, and they shared their stories with me and with Maria, and we were all crying. <laughs> and so uh, I believe if you open up your heart, I know it's a different Sunday for you, but I, I believe if you open up your heart, your heart that Jesus will really speak to you and encourage you today. And so I think that's it. Did I get it all? I think I got it all. So I want to introduce you to them all. This here's Frank Salazar. <laughs> Frank's, got an, Frank's got an amazing story and a fan club, apparently. And 
Frank, uh, Frank helps run audio, and Frank's been on the ushers, and currently Frank's leading bondage breakers, and he's doing a great job here in Kyle. Setting people free. This is Hillary Foister. I'm so thankful for her and her husband, Seth. I'm so glad they're part of our family. And they actually came to our young marriage group here uh, last semester, and we had a great time getting to know them. And she works for the Heart of Texas Pregnancy Center. Did I say that right? Yeah, and she does great work in our city. It's really awesome. This is Naomi Anzuris right here. <laughs> Naomi serves on kids uh, and, and leads our kids, and, and she's in the classrooms all the time doing a bunch of great stuff. She's been around here for a long time. And, and whereas that, that has no reflection on anything else, just, it's just longevity, it's just wonderful that we're here, that she's here. So i got to move on quickly because this sounds like I'm talking about age, and I'm not. I'm not talking about that. She's been here for a very little time. Long, I, I can't do it. Okay, so uh, anyway, we're thankful for her and her husband, Anthony. This is Heather Bradley over here. Heather Bradley, actually, uh, her and her husband, her family, they were part of the original One Chapel. They were here at the very, very beginning and helped us launch the church. And they, since they moved away uh, for a little while and were prodigals in another land, and <laughs> no, uh, it's Georgia, is that right? Florida. Yeah, Florida. In Florida, and um, we're just so grateful to have them back. And they weren't prodigals. They were, it was for work. But I just want to make that clear. Like, oh, Lord, is she going to tell that story? And so, the, <laughs> no, they're awesome, and we're just thankful to have them home. And this is Brett Petrie right here. And I'm thankful for him and his wife, Lynette, and they've been plugged in here for, I don't know, a little over a year. Yeah, a couple years. So they're, he's doing such a great job, and he actually serves in, are you in Littles now or Tinies? He serves in Littles, and so to have a man there in Littles and serving and taking care of those, it's amazing. Yeah, come on, give him a hand. That's a good deal. And apparently it's not five by seven. It's apparently Brent talks the whole time. So let's get to it. Um, so are you all ready? Are you all ready? I'm going to pray over them, and we're going to go, Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for the movement of your spirit, and thank you that you love us enough to be involved and to help us move. So I pray today that our hearts would be open and that these guys here would be able to say what's on their heart and share their story. We're going to cheer them on. We're going to celebrate what you're doing, and we just want to say thank you. So fill them up now, encourage them, and give them boldness. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Everybody, would you please say hi to Frank Salazar? Come on, Frank. Hello. Um, well, uh, a few years back, I lost one of my best friends, and uh, he was young, about 24, when he, you know, he passed away on a motorcycle accident. And I guess that's when uh, I started spiraling down. I kind of used his death as uh, as an out to go drink, get high, things like that. You know, so I was working at Nissan at the time. I was a service director, and uh, I just noticed that every day we'd go out, we talk about him. Um, it was kind of just like a I guess I was using it as, a, as an excuse to go get drunk more. But then while drinking, you know, cocaine came into the subject. I started using coke a lot. And, you know, it just was an up and down spiral from there. So I, uh, you know, I was obviously never home for my family, my wife, and my children. So it was just I neglected them a lot. And during that period, uh, it was just every day drinking, getting high. And I know that I lost my, I lost my job because of it, and I was making really good money. And then from there, I just started going from job to job to job, lasting two, three months. And I got a bad name in the car dealership world because of that, because I wasn't showing up or I wasn't doing my job. And it was, you know, it was because of the drugs and the alcohol. They had a, they had a hold on me really tight. And so uh, I put my, my kids and my wife through that for a lot of years. And then one, one year, my wife decided to come to one chapel. She heard that they had an, a campus here in Kyle. Uh, so she came with my daughter. 
I came because they kept telling me I should come, I should come, so I kind of just came to make them happy. Um, and then I met Larry Foster when I first came. He prayed for me, and then that kind of started a ba- another, like, an inside battle um, to where I was like, man, that kind of felt different. He kind of, you know, he showed me some love that I didn't expect. Uh, so then uh, I heard the message that Pastor Brent preached. Uh, I kept on and still dabbling, you know, still fighting the flesh. So, and then every Sunday I would come for about a month and I would feel ashamed. Like, how can God love me if I'm still doing this? And so I met with Pastor Brent and I set up a meeting with him. And then I pretty much laid it all out, told him everything that I was struggling with. He put me on a plan. He said, you know what, if you're willing to do it, I think Jesus can set you free. Uh, I kind of didn't believe him, but I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try it. <laughs> and uh, so he said, you know, join Catalyst, join Team One, uh, go to a men's group and come to church every Sunday. If you do that. I believe Jesus will change your heart. It's okay. So I did it. And uh, for about three, four months, I was in Catalyst, and I was still, you know, struggling, falling, falling, you know, falling, still falling into the same habits. And I was like, man, God, how can you love me? And how can I be a good, you know, server if I'm continually to make mistakes? And so uh, in Catalyst is where I opened up to my, uh, to my group. And at first I didn't think they were going to understand me because of the type of people they looked like. And look at me. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, so it's, it's you know, I, I, my environment was different than everybody else's. But they took me in, they, they, they opened their arms to me, they, they didn't judge me, and they helped me, you know, and I was able to be vulnerable with them. And so then uh, one day, uh, I got really, really drunk, went home. It was the last day of my Catalyst class, and my wife was just, you know, so mad that I came home drunk, passed out on the, on the, on the bed, woke up. She was already at work, and then I just went into the bathroom, and I just really, like, kind of cried to God saying, why am I still struggling with this? Why can't I give this up? God, why do I fail? You know, how, how can I, how can you love me? And so at that moment, I, I heard a voice, like, like Brent standing next to me, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, you got to choose the drugs or me. And so at that moment, I had a, you know, big, big probably like a golf ball-sized ball of cocaine in my pocket. And I was debating, do I do it? Do I not? Do I flush it? Do I not? And I flushed it. I said, you know what, Lord, I'm all in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. And when I did that, I felt, I felt good. Uh, so I, I, I waited till my wife came home from work. I wanted to talk to her about it. Um, I know she was upset because of what I had put her through for all the years. You got to talking six, seven years of just me lying and, and never telling the truth. So she didn't really believe me. So I said, you know what, can we just pray together? And she's like, no. But I got her to pray with me. I convinced her. We finally prayed. And the minute I told God, I don't know what's in here, Father, or what's in my life, but I cannot fight this because it's something I can't see. It's something I don't know what it is. But I choose you. I surrender to you. And just come and fill us. And at that moment, I felt like a gust of wind coming in my bedroom. I immediately was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in a language I didn't understand. And I was shaking like if I was having a heart attack or a seizure. And I could not stop. And that happened for about 30 minutes. And then I heard God tell me, you know what, stand up. And I stood up and he said, now go and sin no more. And I was just like, all right. And so I told my Catalyst class all about that. Um, and they were, uh, you know, we cried <laughs> that, last, that last meeting. And then uh, the one thing that I know is that the love that I received at one chapel, the love that my Catalyst group, and then I got into Bondage Breakers, and then I got, you know, talking with Pastor Brandt. I, I mean, I would text these guys a lot, you know, and I was continually messing up. But the love that they showed me 
by not judging me, you know, from Mike Nelson, Thomas Podorko, David Bauman, you know, Josh and, the, and, and Candace and, and Naomi and Anthony, they just were always there to help, Brett and Lynette. And, and it, it was overwhelming, you know, because I didn't understand why these people would love somebody like me. You know, I come from, a, a, like I said, a, a really bad background, gangs, drugs, anything you can name. And I, I was always raised to be a tough guy. You don't tell people your problems. You don't open up about anything. You can handle it yourself. And so it was, uh, it was pretty mind-blowing just to know that, that there was people that actually loved me and showed me the love of God. And uh, it's still kind of overwhelming today. Uh, I promised myself I wouldn't get choked up. But <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome. And I just I want to praise God for everybody here, for everybody who helped me along the way and who still helps me. I mean, I'm not perfect. But after that day on December 5th, I have not wanted to look at drugs, look at alcohol. I felt the freedom of Christ, and it was awesome. And, and the verses that helped me along the way were John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then this one right here really, really hit me. Psalm 91, 11 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. And when I called out to God that day, he came and he answered, and I didn't expect it. But I totally, totally surrendered. I did everything Pastor Brent kind of guided me to do, and everything my Catalyst members were saying, just keep going, keep going. God's going to do the rest. Thank you for hearing my story. Amen. So there's two things that you really need to know about me is that, one, um, I'm on fire for Jesus, <laughs> and two is that I really like cats. <laughs> um, uh, my relationship with God has been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I grew up Christian, but I never really knew more than um, your Sunday school stories. Um, but Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. So let me take you a few years back. Um, I got married at 19. When I was married, um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I can tell you that like most 19-year-olds, God was not a priority. Um, I wasn't living the life that he wanted for me, and alcohol was a big factor. Um, I was making bad choices. I was being reckless, and I was lost. I, I didn't know what true love was, and I had no self-esteem, and I needed to fill a hole. Um, during this time, I referred to God in passing. I went to church, and I went through the motions, but I was still missing something, and I knew that I wanted something. It's funny how God works. I remember the day that I prayed to him nonchalantly, I want to serve you, but I don't know how. Thinking back, how could I, not being focused on God, even think that I was worthy enough to serve him? But even in the midst of my sin, he laid it on my heart that I wanted to serve. Vance Havner said, God uses broken things 
It takes broken soil to produce the crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is Peter, weeping bitterly, who returns to greater power than ever. On January 2nd, 2017, I made the decision that I would change. Sadly, it took me seeing myself in a video drunk out of my mind that I couldn't walk. As much as you want to avoid God, consciously or subconsciously, the Holy Spirit is working. He works through books and he works through music and he works through people. My sweet mother-in-law, she's a wonderful woman of God. Um, she does the Daniel fast every year at the beginning of the year. This particular year, she made copies of her devotional packet and gave it to her daughter and to her daughter-in-laws. And mind you, she does this every year. And this year, she chose to give it to me. When she gave it to me, I was, I was actually really excited. I was like, I knew I made the decision that I wanted to change, and I felt like this was the right step. And I was drawn to it. Um, for the first time ever in my life, I read the word every day. And for the first time ever in my life, I prayed every day. And I spent time with my father. I talked to him, and I felt him, and I repented, and I praised him. And I had a beautiful time with our Lord. I was free, and I was truly saved. And I learned during those three weeks what true love was. John 10, 3 through 4 says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. He was calling to me. He was calling to me when I knew that I was missing something. He was calling to me when I felt attracted to that devotional. He was calling to me when I felt like I needed to change, but ultimately, it was my choice to answer. <laughs> so fast forward that summer. Seth and I made the decision to move to Austin. Seth was going to go to school, and I needed to find a job. Cindy, my wonderful sister, and her husband had been living here for a couple of years, and she's always ready to help. And she told me she'd been volunteering for this pregnancy resource center. I didn't really know what that was, um, but it, it sounded interesting, and it sounded like maybe something that I could do. Um, Heart of Texas' mission is through the love of Jesus Christ. Um, we promote life and encourage moms and their families to achieve their God-given potential. In order for me to work here, I had to know what true love was. I had to know Jesus on a personal level um, so that I could pour into others in the way that God was pouring into me. I've been working at Heart of Texas for a little over a year. I get to love on women who are in need. I get to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I get to pray for miracles, and I get to see them happen. I finally get to serve them in a way that I never knew that I was capable of, and my plans were so small compared 
um, compared to his. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it, it's, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Um, where I didn't know that things were happening, things were happening, and it took years. Moving to Austin was a huge thing in our lives. We've been blessed with people who love us, with an awesome church, um, with fulfillment and love and joy for myself. It wasn't until I looked to, I looked actively to see Christ that things changed. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I want to tell you that God is calling you, that if you feel like you don't know where you're going or where you are or what you're going to do with your life, God is calling. The best part about my story is that he's not finished yet. Thank you. Start crying already. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's always been this hunger in me for more of God. And I've always known there was more, <laughs> especially being raised and coming from a Pentecostal background. During Catalyst, the Catalyst 2 retreat, God became more real to me. He became more real to me. Spending your every waking moment with nothing but him in your thoughts. I learned how to have a relationship with him through Catalyst. The fire that I had felt when I first got saved was back, and I was on fire. Matthew 4.4 4 says, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I believe that's true. If we're filled up on God and his word and walking in the spirit, he will show up and show out. I've seen and experienced it firsthand in and outside of my family. He has poured out his blessing and favor on me, probably more than I deserve. I wanted to share two testimonies that kind of tie in together. My husband and I, um, we are mentors on, in bondage breakers, and we were at a bondage breaker meeting one Sunday. And my, my girls were at home with my mom, and they decided to um, do praise and worship and have a Bible study. And in the midst of their little playtime, like, you know, innocent faith, childlike faith, you know, they were praising God and worshiping him. They had, like, the music blaring like they were at church. And in the midst of all this, the Holy Spirit fell on them. <laughs> my mom's in the other room. They don't know what's going on there. My six-year-old daughter began to weep in the spirit, and then she began to laugh in the spirit. And she's like, I want my mommy. <laughs> so my sister and my, my sister, my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter and my niece, she's 11, they went to her, and they were like, it's okay, it's okay, it's, it's just Jesus. And they all had their little encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I tell you this because this ties into another story of a healing that happened three Sundays ago here. And um, my daughter, my six-year-old Olivia, was staying at her friend's house. And um, 
they had been friends before. Um, they had been schoolmates the prior year, and I had seen her mom and and passing and stuff, but I never talked to her. But we had started talking, and then she found out that I was a Christian, and she was so excited. She was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! You're a Christian." She was trying to think of ways to like win me to the Lord, but she didn't know that I was all you know. I I was already walking with the Lord, and she even thought I might have been a Mormon. <laughs> like. <laughs> No. So anyway, um, she, they, ha- they have a sleepover, and in the m- midst of the sleepover, my daughter happens to share her testimony of how she began weeping in the spirit and how she was laughing in the spirit. And so Anya, the mother, she was like, wow, you know, that's amazing. And so anyway, fast forward to three Sundays. It was a Friday, so then Sunday. Um, I text her that morning, and I was like, asked, I invited her to church, and she goes to a Baptist church, but she has been filled with the Spirit for a long time. So um, anyway, she wasn't going to come. Um, five minutes later, she re- responded, and she was like, I'm coming. She was like, me and Penelope will be there at 1130, and Lord willing, my husband will too. So anyway, we're in service, and I'm just like praising God, worshiping him, and just I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and then we're in the last song, and I just happen to turn to my left, and she's right there, and I just like... I become so overjoyed, and, like, I hug her, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. And I turn back, and I just begin to praise God even more, and the Holy Spirit just falls even stronger. I just feel his presence, and I begin praying in my prayer language. And um, go into, we're um, passing the buckets for for offering, and um, she turns to me, and she taps me, and she was, like, weeping, just crying, and she's like, will you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. She was like, the Holy Spirit told me not to be scared to ask you to pray for me. And I'm like, well, can I ask what you want prayer for? And last November, apparently, she had gotten in an accident, and she had a lot of back pain. And that's why she wasn't going to come to church that Sunday. But but the Holy Spirit brought to her mind my daughter's testimony. And she remembered. And she was like, well, I want to go to that church and see what's going on over there. (laughs) And so... That's what brought her to church. So I was like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And I didn't say an amazing prayer. I just laid hands on her, and I was like, God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. And I just asked that you would heal her right now in the name of Jesus. And I command that pain to leave whatever pains in her back, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I command it to leave. And then the music finished. And we sat down, but I did ask her, I was like, how does the pain feel? And she's like, I can feel it's going down. Anyway, fast forward to the middle of the sermon, she turns and taps me, and she's like, my pain level's at a zero. God healed her. And she's been healed ever since. The pain is gone, and it hasn't come back. And I do like to journal my my testimonies, and um, she was like, well, I was healed and ceased. And seat C-19. So whoever's in C-19, there was a healing three Sundays ago in that seat. <laughs> All of this just because I've been walking in and loving the Lord for who he is. We need to seek God for who he is and not what he can do for us. I know this because I got a little sidetracked and with wanting more of the gifts. And I lost sight of my relationship with him. He didn't want a piece of me. Wait, he didn't want a piece of me, and he doesn't want a piece of you all. He wants all of us. 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. No strings attached. Thank God that he is so graceful and merciful. But not only that, he is worthy of all praise. So to sum it all up, I'm right where God wants me to be, continually growing and moving forward until his kingdom comes and his will is done. Thank you. Good morning, One Chapel. <laughs> a stronghold is a place that's been fortified. It's to guard us, protect us, hide us away in security. It's our firm foundation. When Jesus is our stronghold, we are safe and we can't be shaken. And in fact, Psalm 27 tells us, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Anytime you decide to go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you can expect a battle. But we know who wins in the end. I've really never known a time in my life that I have not had a struggle with a spirit of fear. Not one fear, so to speak, more like a general sense that follows me around. It's like, hey, I'm Heather, and here's my fear. So it's kind of like there's these two opposing forces in me warring at all times, right? Um, one force is constantly holding me back in bondage, and I have this opposite warring feeling at all times that I could pretty much conquer the world. That's the Holy Spirit. So, but this left me stuck, kind of in the middle, not really moving anywhere. Um, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The word calls fear a spirit. So that makes it very clear that this spirit's not from God because he's told us that, right? So this explains the warring, opposing um, battleground I have felt all my life. I was up against the enemy of my soul, and I was losing because I simply had decided not to shut that door and do anything about it. So here's the thing about a stronghold, though. If it's a stronghold of safety and protection like a fortress as Jesus is, then we walk in freedom and confidence and are secure because it's super firm. However, a stronghold can also become your prison where the enemy can lock you away and make you a captive, make you feel like you've lost your freedom. And this leaves you or left me with a feeling of oppression and feeling controlled. A few years ago, the Holy Spirit began to really prepare me for a battle that I had not yet known was coming. One night at a worship service at one chapel, I heard clearly the Lord speak to me, and he said, Heather, if you do not deal with your spirit of fear, you will never walk in the calling that I have for you. So I heard it loud and clear, but was too scared to do anything about it. So I kind of just tucked it away. Also during that time, I had a, a dream one night, and in that dream, I, had, um, my, I, I was on a battlefield, and I was running in all these different places. It looked like a movie, you know, like a war zone, 
and I was running and running around and things were blowing up around me and all of a sudden I looked up and realized I was protected, that nothing had touched me and I was okay, I had this realization. So when I woke up, I realized that God was saying to me that I am entering into a battle, but that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I will say later on, when I had walked through some of my fears, that he actually spoke to me again about that dream and told me that, of course, he would never leave me or forsake me, but actually he was showing me that my enemy was fear and it was underneath my feet. So um, even though I knew God's word well, I was not choosing to deal with my fear, and this had nothing to do with my salvation. It was just me, you know, walking around with a stronghold. So since his ways are higher than ours, I soon, my, soon found myself in a situation that was going to force me to deal with my fears once and for all. We began to deal with some serious neurological and mental health disorders in one of our children. Obviously, anytime you have to deal with something very traumatic with a child, you're going to experience some intense fear, which I didn't have any problem with that at all. However, this situation proceeded to take me on a very long journey, six years to be exact, before I really, really um, felt the hand of God move and really um, started dealing with it the way he wanted me to. Since the word tells us that God works out all things for the good of those who love him, I can look back now and see that he was teaching me in this. However, because I had not dealt with my spirit of fear, this had left the door open for Satan to put me in extreme bondage of oppression and feeling controlled in his prison. When I had realized, um, what I had to realize is that Satan's power and the prison I thought was, was that I was in was just a lie. All I had to do was look up to Jesus and realize that the chains I were carrying, they were not that strong compared to the word of God. And the prison door I thought I was behind, it fell right down. So when you get real with your stronghold and believe the um, authority and power we have in Christ, the lies of the enemy are just that. They're just a lie. They're not even reality. So once I learned that, in the seventh year, that's when God started really showing up with some miracles in my life. I was essentially forced to learn how to combat my stronghold of fear by facing my worst fear as a mother, being put in a situation that I had no control and it was beyond my capacity, right? Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. It, was, it. it had to be from the Lord only. Satan was trying to keep me so preoccupied with my circumstances that I was losing um, who I was inside, so to speak, like the dreams and callings that God had put in me. And he has given me lots of stories and has told me that I'm to help other people carry their heavy burdens. So Satan wanted to silence me. So I was learning about teaching, uh, battling um, healing and spiritual warfare and all these things. And I learned that God's weapons are the ones we use for pulling down strongholds. So since I began battling my fear, God has moved some very big mountains. My oppression was gone in an instant, and the spirit that was tormenting me uh, is, is just, it left. And I know how to battle it now if it returns. I stepped out in faith and started the ministry he gave me. He moved us back home just this month, back home to Austin, after being gone for four years. I signed up for One Chapel College, which I didn't know I was going to do. <laughs> and best of all, I'm right here. <laughs> battling one of my worst fears. <laughs> so I'm putting the enemy under my feet today. Yeah. <laughs>
So I want to leave you with this one last thing. It was a vision that God gave me right as I was entering into one of the biggest battles of my life. And um, one morning when I was praying, I saw this vision, and it was, it was my child, and he was running up this really, really big tree, which I don't like heights, and urging me to come on with him. And I was like, no, I'm not going up that. So um, I followed him in spite of my fear, and it was scary, and it was rough. But we made it to the top. And when we got to the top, he pulled back this green foliage and showed me this beautiful paradise, so to speak, like a lush place you just want to be very life-giving. And looked, turned around and looked at me, and he was like, look, Mom, I'm trying to show you this. And I heard then that the Lord told me, in spite the journey and how scary it was, that I was making it to the top, and it would be a very beautiful place to be. Thank you. Jesus said that we are to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. For most of my life, I have to admit that I love God with my mind, but I struggled with loving him from my heart. I was brought up in mainline denomination churches where they know Jesus, they love Jesus, but they don't really know the Holy Spirit. And that in conjunction with the scars of childhood left me with a, a distorted view of God <laughs> and a, uh, just in a, um, a faith that wasn't, wasn't complete. And, and I would ask people that I would talk to, how do you live in the spirit? And they struggle with that answer. And, and it just kept coming back to me. I would think of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And, and my anger would short-circuit all the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I struggled with that, and I learned through brute force to just suppress it. And, and I mastered living in the flesh. But always asking the question, how do you live in the Spirit? A few years ago, I was watching Lynette, my wife, as she was doing her, her devotional, and she was praising it. And I'd never introduced worship into my devotional. I always had a very regimented uh, devotional, focusing on more of an intellectual faith versus a heart faith. And, and I realized that something was missing. And so I started to incorporate praise music into my devotional. And things started to shift. About six months after that, I was on vacation, and we were... I was up in the morning, and I was listening to a song by Amanda Cook, and it was about closer. And it talked about getting closer to God and, and, drawing, and drawing nearer to him. And I pleaded with God that I wanted that. And all my life, I'd wanted to hear God speak, and I heard him speak. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like it was etched in my mind. And it was, you'll have to leave your church for me to do that. And he, and he said the name of that church. And, and, and it was a church that I had been involved in, it, and I, it was family, and it was a hard thing to do. But I felt immediately that I was released from, from that commitment with the promise of something better. Not surprisingly, he led me here. The first Sunday that we were here, Brent was talking about Catalyst. 
and how great Catalyst is and how everybody needs to participate and it will help you to anchor your faith. It will teach you what it really means to be a disciple and overcome the, the bondages through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I knew immediately that that was an answer to prayer. So I, I dove into Catalyst even before I committed to the church, I committed to Catalyst. And, um, and I went in with the, with the perspective, because I had known that, that the Holy Spirit is really the piece that has been missing. And I focused on the Holy Spirit as I was going into Catalyst. And I started to learn fresh who the Holy Spirit was, who that third person of the Trinity was, and the power that that brings into your life. And I went through the gifts of the Spirit. And I realized that they weren't just gifts from the first century church. I began to meet people that actually had experienced those gifts. I got involved in, in the first Catalyst retreat, and I felt a presence of the Holy Spirit that left me sobbing. In the second retreat, because I needed remedial training, um, <laughs> I, I went, and, and, I, and the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I began to pray in the Spirit with a power and an authority that I had never sensed before. At the same time, God was working in my heart, and, and he led me to go with a passion, because I, I love kids, to pursue Little's ministry with, with a mission. And that is the mission, is for your three and four-year-olds to teach me how to have childlike faith. Because that, that intellectual faith that I had had created so many boundaries around an infinite God that I needed the faith of a child to break through. Next, as I was going through Catalyst 2, God zeroed in on my identity. And that's part of the training in there is to know who you are in Christ and who your purpose is. And, and so I, I'm going to share my identity that I had written down. And, and we were encouraged to write it down and to claim it. And I have it in two parts. The first part is that I am a child of the living God. I was created for intimacy with the Father. I am redeemed and I am restored by the blood of the Lamb, my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am empowered and I am filled with the Holy Spirit who enables me to live life victoriously. And, and in grabbing onto my identity, I finally had an answer to how do you live a spirit-filled life. So next, as I, as I pursued um, the Holy Spirit, I, bondage breakers caught my attention. And I saw people going into bondage breakers and coming out freed. And I saw a, a transformation that is like the bride of Christ turning into the army of God. Where people went from being defeated to being on the offensive. And I wanted that. And so I started reading through bondage breakers. And, and, and I was... I was hesitant to go into it because I thought it was for people with severe addictions. And, um, and I didn't have that severe addiction problem, but it, f it really resonated with me that anything that prevents you from being all that God wants you to be is a severe addiction or a behavior. And, and the freedom that comes from bondage breakers is what really built into the second part of my identity. And it's one that an intellectual faith cannot grasp. And, and I haven't yet got to the point where it's here yet, but I'm working on it. And, and that second part of my identity is that I am a prince to the king. I'm a mighty warrior. I have full authority over all of the forces of darkness. I've been given the keys of dominion over the earth to push back evil, to plunder hell, and to establish the rule of Jesus. And, and as that identity starts to sink in, and, and I can't do it intellectually, 
I have to have a childlike faith for that to sink in and transform me. But that's what I'm working on. I'm looking forward to Catalyst 3, which is this fall, which is really understanding your mission, understanding your purpose and your destiny. And, and I truly believe that God is working in incredible ways right now. There's something happening. I see it in my own life. I see it in the lives of the people here. I see it in all of you. And, and I want to be a part of it. And I am so grateful that I am part of a church that catches the vision of where God's going. And that they are plugging us in to our, pl our place and what God wants to do. And I truly can say that I really do love this church. Thank you. Uh, wow, it's a little bit overwhelming, actually. Um, I, I just want to say thank you one more time. So would you please give them all just a great hand. You guys can go on down if you want. You can head on back down.